Coming to you from Silicon Valley, I'm Marcus Edwards, and I'm on the hunt for recruiting leaders, producers, innovators, and pioneers who've made their mark on the industry and can't wait to share their points of view. We'll tackle the tough topics and dig deep to find the answers you're looking for and some actionable advice you can take to the bank. So stick around and stay tuned, and welcome to Recruiting Trailblazers. When a recruiter includes a hiring manager video in their outreach, their response rate is eight times what it is versus including a job description. This week on Recruiting Trailblazers, we are talking video and specifically how to build a stronger candidate pipeline through the adoption of video in the outreach and the recruiting process. By the way, if we're not connected on LinkedIn by now, please do send me a request Plus, if you or your team are a little stuck or need some inspiration or a fresh perspective, let's have a chat about how I can help. You can book a call with me by going to marcuschat.com. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. So I'm very excited to welcome my guest today to Recruiting Trailblazers. Maury Hannigan is the CEO of SparkStart, an innovative recruiting platform that uses video, social media, and mobile capabilities to differentiate jobs and just make recruiting much more productive. She's a recognized industry expert and has appeared in the Wall Street Journal, Fortune, The Economist, ABC World News, and and a lot of other media as well. Plus, she was named to both the 100 most influential talent acquisition thought leaders and top 30 influential leaders, women leaders in HR tech. So with all that, welcome to the podcast, Maury Hannigan. Great. Thanks, Marcus. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Uh, we're going to talk about the world of video and how it impacts, you know, recruiting and employer branding, etc. Um, but before we get into that, let's sort of um, let's frame this conversation up. What is the current state? Do you think of the job advertising market? Um, generally, the current state is dreadful. It, it really, it's amazing how bad it is. Um, I started my career at Procter & Gamble and then moved to Pepsi, where I worked in in brand marketing, classic consumer packaged goods marketing. And I would spend my days, you know, on storyboards and producing TV commercials and all of that. And then I'd sit down with someone from HR if I had an opening on my team, um, and they'd hold up a job description and tell me they were going to go market my opportunity. And I'd look at them sideways and say, that, that's not marketing. A job description is a compliance document. That's not going to persuade anyone. It's not going to engage anyone. It's not going to excite anyone. And, and in truth, it's really not going to even inform anyone. Um, and so let's fast forward another 20 plus years. And by and large, employers are doing the same thing. They are publishing job descriptions, text documents that were written for compliance and think that they are effectively differentiating their opportunities, that they're effectively um, you know, reaching people who are interested, qualified, and available. And it's really just, it's still pretty much a post and praise system, which is amazing given that we've all had high-def cameras in our pockets for decades. This, is, this isn't bleeding-edge technology. You know, it's been around for decades. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's amazing that still today people are just publishing laundry lists of skills and experience just like a shopping list of like what the perfect candidate needs to have and how many years of this and how many years of that. And 
nobody seems to have, well, not nobody, of course, a lot of people have begun to realize that there's a huge opportunity here, but the ethos behind job advertising has never really been, let's sell a fantastic opportunity first, and then maybe sort of move the skills and experiences bit down the list of things that we're interested in. Right, right. If, if you look at, um, at, at its most basic level, you're right that what employers are by and large telling candidates is what the requirements they must have. Um, I did a spoof on a spaghetti sauce ad a couple of years ago. Um, and in the copy, you know, I put, to, you know, to buy this product, you must have a saucepan, $3.29, you know, pasta al dente. Um, we don't advertise products by telling consumers what they must have in order to purchase our product. We tell them what benefit the product gives them. And yet you talk about recruitment marketing and people are still doing laundry lists of requirements of what you must have to be considered for the role. Um, and then they wonder why people aren't attracted to their roles. It's not that hard to figure out. Yeah, it seems amazing to me that, you know, in the 20 years since like Monster, etc. came out and sort of threatened the recruiting industry, um, the science of putting a, a great looking job advertisement together which really sort of promotes the culture and the opportunity and the mobility of the role hasn't sort of really taken off to a large degree. And I think a lot of that is due to the fact that everybody just gets into LinkedIn or Indeed and just starts copy and pasting everybody else's job specs, right? Well, depending on the size employer, I, I think what happens with a lot of large employers is they have a set of approved job descriptions that have standard wording that their legal department has just wrestled all the life out of. Um, and they use it because that library is in their ATS. It's easy to click on a job description and throw it out there. But from a candidate perspective, I'd, I'd like to do an animation when I'm talking to folks um, and just start splashing, you know, career pages and job postings in front of them. And it all starts to look like wallpaper. A candidate cannot tell one opportunity from another even if they stopped to read all the text, which they don't, but even if they did, and even if that text was incredibly well written, it's still just too hard to differentiate one job for another, and candidates just start to glaze over, um, and they don't get excited about roles. So it, it's not surprising that it's, it's so grossly inefficient. Um, we, we've looked at some of the stats of the number of candidates that come to um, career sites and leave without applying or, or doing anything else, the bounce rate. And if the marketing department were getting those kinds of numbers, they'd be out of jobs. <laughs> you know, it, it's just amazing to me what we accept as the rejection rate in recruiting, but we've really failed to engage anybody or entice them or get them excited or even have them understand why they want to pursue the role. Why do you think this is? Why do employers just put these laundry lists of skills and experience out there required? Um, I think it, lots of reasons. Um, part of it is the scale at which they're doing this. It feels daunting to do anything else. Part of it is habit. It's easy. It's one click. You've got it in the lot. You know, you've got this dreadful job description in the library, so you just put it back out there. Um, and some of it is between compliance and legal um, they feel, I think the TA organization feels repressed by those organizations. Um, I feel like they just can't battle them, so they just give up and do it. And, and they don't understand that it doesn't have to be either or. 
that absolutely you can have a job description that meets all the legal requirements and provides all of the disclaimers and you know information so that legal and compliance feel comfortable. That doesn't mean that that's the only thing you can do. You just need to incorporate it as part of what you do. So it's there. Yeah. I mean, isn't the quick fix just to start selling in your job description instead of just buying? I mean, promoting all of the great things that you're going to experience, the culture, the opportunity, the career mobility. Um, yes, but the, the approach we've sort of taken is don't, don't go battle over the job description. If you've got compliance who signed off on all of that and changing the job description isn't really going to change your perception among candidates. So the job description is what it is. To some degree, we'd say leave it. But look at how do candidates want to get information. And it's not paragraphs of text. Even if it's the right content, the the medium is just too distant and, and too passive. They want somebody to talk to them, to explain it to them. They want to see it. They want to hear it. Um, video is much more engaging. So we sort of say, yeah, take your job description, use that. But if you really want to engage people, just move to the right medium. Uh, and they're going to view all this information on their phones. So, and phones were not designed to have people read, you know, page after page, screen after screen of text. Um, you know, it, it's just, it, it doesn't deliver well. So use the device for what it's really good at, which is develop, you know, delivering video. So you're talking about turning a job description into a video presentation. We're, no, because that gets too long and um, has all the problems with the job description. What we're talking about is really enhancing it um, and, and doing more than just the job description. Um, there are lots of, lots of points. As a matter of fact, all the points throughout the, the candidate journey where video can be really helpful and can make a difference. Certainly in attraction is, is one of the big places. Um, and also in just educating candidates about the jobs. There are a lot of things that video can do. We've seen if what what we've seen from the research is that the video that candidates are most interested in seeing is of the hiring manager. They want to meet their boss. Okay. And think for a minute, if you could actually see the person you'd be reporting to and hear them do a quick clip, and we're talking about 20 seconds, certainly something under 30 seconds, just a little, you know, spark your interest and say, hey, if you're interested in big data, if you're interested in developing international logistics expertise, if you're interested in having an impact on this drug development, whatever it is, you know, check out our opportunities. That just as a teaser, it's almost like the movies, you have your trailers. It's a little teaser of here's what we've got. If you're interested in this, you know, dig in and learn more about it. That there are all sorts of places throughout the process where a quick video clip can make a big difference. It can bring the job to life. It can humanize the job. And more importantly, it starts to differentiate the job. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. I mean, who wouldn't want to, to meet their boss or see their boss before they even apply for the job? That's fantastic. Or their potential boss. Now, where would this video sort of be embedded? Is it in a job description? Is it in a recruiter outreach? Where do people get to see these videos? All of the above. Um, you know, we've automated the task of taking those videos and putting them right into the career site on the actual job posting page and the job bed. Um, you know, we, we've got a platform that creates a landing page that people can share on social media. Um, you, you put it wherever people's eyeballs are, which is generally 
not on your career site yet. <laughs> it's more likely to be in, um, you know, we found with recruiters when, or with sourcers when they're reaching out to candidates um, and they're going through and identifying candidates and reaching out to people who may not be in the job market at all. If they can reach out and we admit it's clickbait to say, you know, meet, meet your new boss. People who aren't looking for a job at all, they get curious about who is this person who thinks they're going to be my new boss. Like, you know, what's out there? Um, so they click. As long as it's short, they'll click. And the hiring manager gets a chance to talk to them. And it makes a huge difference in response rates, in every metric that you want to look at. Just so it's Do you have any data handy in I'm, terms I'm, of like t statistical evidence, in terms of, I don't know, um, open rates or response rates? All of the above. We have more than 20,000 videos uploaded to the Sparkstart platform. So I've got data on all sorts of things. Um, but yes, when, I mean, just specifically when I'll give you some of the high level stats. When a recruiter includes a hiring manager video in their outreach, their response rate is eight times what it is versus including a job description. If you put a hiring manager video on your career page in the job posting, you get an increase in conversion from visitors to applicants of 60%. So the people who come to the page and see it, and the piece I think is impressive about that, it's not just more applicants, you get better qualified applicants because they spend more than twice as long on the page. If the video just, you know, sparks their interest, gets them, you know, excited or thinking, gee, there might be something here, then they actually slow down and they read. So they spend more than just the video time on the page. They spend more time so they get better educated and they do a better job opting in and opting out, which just for efficiency, nobody wants more candidates because they just clog up your sister system if they're not qualified. You want more qualified. So all the way through, I, I can run ghosting numbers. Um, that's a big thing. A lot of folks are, are facing ghosting candidates that are just dropping out and, you know, going, they're not responding. Either they don't show up to interviews, they don't show up for the first day of job, or they just drop out of the process completely. Um, and video can make a huge difference in ghosting. Some, some of just that the, is, and that's just as a result of that 20 second or 30 second hiring manager video? Yes. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's all it takes. Uh, it's even, it's much more powerful even than a, a two-minute hero video, right? Almost everyone has their two-minute recruiting video um, that usually includes a drone shot of the building, um, you know, has people walking down the halls, people writing on whiteboards. Um, you know, there's some pretty classic shots that go in that. And in candidates, they're not as impressed by highly produced and, and particularly long videos. But quick clips, those are extremely powerful. Yeah, yeah. Now, I suppose you can't just just start making videos with no experience. There has to be some sort of strategy behind all of this. Um, how do you even begin making videos for, for job ads? Um, yes and no. Um, you don't so much need experience. The, the big stumbling, there are two big stumbling blocks for most organizations. One is just an approval process. Because, you know, people are afraid that some rogue video will go out there. Someone's going to say something that's proprietary or they're going to say something that's inappropriate or insensitive. So you need to have a an approval process baked into whatever platform you use. Um, so the, the first thing is making sure that everyone's comfortable with the security level. The other piece of it is doing it at scale. 
you know, you get some of these large organizations that say we have 4,000 open jobs right now, or we, you know, we're going to hire X number, tens of thousands of people in the next year. How do we possibly reduce its scale? So again, you, the technology can do this for you, right? A, a really good video platform. And I'll tell you Spark starts the best, but you know, you need the technology to manage all of the um, pieces of it so that you can do it at scale and you can do it securely. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure there's some other hurdles that you need to overcome as well, because not everybody likes to even see themselves on video, right? I'm not a big fan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, um, how do you cross that bridge of helping well, people realize it, that this is, you know, for the greater good? Right. Video phobia is a real thing, right? There are people who just, they get so nervous about video and they freeze up on video and so forth. Um, I will, I hate to say that COVID was good for anything because it, created so much bad, but it did get people used to seeing themselves on video. We do so many Zoom calls in a day. We figured out we look like we look, our hair looks like it looks, our voices sound like they sound, um, and we've gotten much more accustomed to seeing ourselves in video. But the big thing that helps people get over their video phobia um, is to see examples of their peers doing it. So within any given company, there's some people who are comfortable on it and they whip off a you know 20 second video in 20 seconds. Um, and then you get the results to that. And so you can go to any hiring manager and say, if you really need to you know fill your team and, and have a full um, team to so you make your goals, we can do one of two things. We can go out and we can market with this, you know, five paragraphs of text and 19 bullet points and hope a fabulous candidate actually reads it and responds. Or you can do a 20 second video, which we can add to our outreach and we're going to fill your job faster and we're going to get better quality candidates and you're going to have a fully staffed organization. So up to you, <laughs> but, you know, here are your options. And, and generally, you know, people want to have a fully staffed team. Yeah. Yet, I mean, there still is an adoption problem with video and job descriptions and employer branding to a certain extent as well. Um, you just shared some impressive data about 20,000 videos that you currently host. But I imagine it's still only a very, very small percentage of US or um, international employers as well who actually embrace the use of video in their job advertising, right? No. Um, I, I just came back from the... Um World Employer Brand Day conference in Lisbon last week, and every presentation mentioned video. Um, it's now it, it runs the gamut in how sophisticated people are in their video use and how far through the candidate journey people are using video. Um, you know, we're we're seeing people use it all the way through to onboarding, since people are being onboarded remotely rather than sending them documents. You know, walking them through that having new team welcomes to a candidate. You know, there, there are lots of uses and we're seeing a lot of video and internal mobility among the more sophisticated users. You still have people who have got their, you know, their standard formal video that they put on their career site. Um, but that number is declining pretty quickly. Um, more and more people are just understanding. They're not getting the response rates. We're, we're still in a tough candidate market. It's, it's very uneven. Um, from industry to industry and company to company. But by and large, people are still struggling to find candidates. And they understand they've got to do something different. They, they can't just spend more money putting job descriptions on more job boards. Um, they've got to change something somewhere. So effectively, you're saying the train has left the station. We're not just on the cusp anymore of embracing oh, no. video. A lot of corporations are doing this. I mean, 
high percentages of companies are doing yes, this? Yes, absolutely. And and there's a little bit sometimes we'll hear someone say, well, you know, I don't I don't see my competitors doing this. And that's because the the more sophisticated recruiters are very good at targeting their outreach. Their sourcers are sending, you know, videos to individual candidates. Well, if you're not one of the candidates being recruited, you're not going to see that. Um, you know, they're very directed rather than putting them on a job board where anybody can look at them. They're really spending their, whether it's their dollars or their efforts, much more focused and much more targeted. So you as a, you know, as a competitive TA leader may not see it so much, but the candidates are seeing it. They're seeing it on campus. A lot of, lot of use of video on campus. Students really light right. up to video. So it's being used more in outreach than it is actually sort of residing on job sites. By and large, yes. Um, I think probably the, the bulk of it is, is in outreach. Um, an awful lot of just general employer branding, social media that's out there. But more and more, you're seeing it right on career sites as people are, are building it in. And we're integrated with all the, the job boards. Um, and and it, it'll be interesting. We're, we're having some conversations with the, the major job board um, providers about, you know, finally accepting video so yeah. that, you know, the LinkedIn's of the world will, will actually be able to, to introduce you to your boss. Yeah. What other obstacles do you face when you sort of engage in conversations about embracing and using video? I mean, obviously there's the, the camera shy one. Um, you have to obviously create some sort of a groundswell in that organization for people to go, yes, you know, this is really going to make a difference. How do you do that? And what kind of challenges are you typically facing when you're having these conversations? The groundswell comes from generally clients will pilot in one area or hard to fill roles and they'll get the data. And they'll be able to have examples, you know, here's what we did in, in this area or with this set of jobs. Here are the results we got. Look at what that means and start to put dollars and cents to that in terms of the, the greater efficiency, faster fill, all of that. Um, so that's the biggest piece. I would say from, from our standpoint, just as advisors to clients, and we're essentially a SaaS platform. We, we don't make any videos ourselves, but we do look at all the videos come in and, and you know, have a, at a minimum quarterly calls with clients to talk about, you know, what we're seeing they're producing and so forth. The, the biggest challenge is to have employer brand and, and TA leaders understand that the content needs to be what the candidate wants to hear rather than what the company wants to say. Too often we'll see an organization that has you know, maybe spent a, a great deal of money or time on an employer brand statement, and they've got the three pillars of their employer value proposition, and they want that's what they want to put out to candidates. And we always go through the example of think about the information that someone that's going to you know, apply for a job in your sales organization, what information are they interested in? How is that different than the information that a software engineer is interested in? How is that different than somebody in internal audit? Think about the kinds of questions they ask. We, we, you know, the, we really believe that the best way you use video is you look at what are the three biggest issues you've got regarding candidates. You know, is it a, a lack of the number of candidates? Are they dropping out? Do they not understand the job? Um, and then creating videos that are going to solve those specific problems. So that's the real challenge to have video used well. There are lots of ways you can use video, but when we see people really 
go through a transformation when they start to understand that, that video is just another medium that helps you solve business problems. That's when you get really effective use of video and video that becomes very strategic rather than just another recruiting tool that's available to be used or, or not to be used. Right. So when you talk about giving the candidate what they want, what do candidates want that they definitely don't get in the job description? What can you give them in that short sort of 30 second video that really changes the dynamic of, of, of your response rates, et cetera? Well, let's be careful. We don't talk about candidates and their information wants as if it's one finite list. It changes as candidates go through the process. You know, the information they want before they've even applied, whether they want to even bother to apply to this job, is completely different than the information they want when they've got the offer in hand and they're deciding whether or not to accept it. Right. So what they want to know will vary on where they are in the process and how committed they are to the job. So you need to match your information with where they are in that process. So um, we go back to the very beginning when a candidate is, is you know, maybe just looking at a, an opportunity and trying to decide if they want to pursue it. They're having a hiring manager. You know, one of the things we know they want from the, from the data is they want to see the hiring manager and they want to know, you know, why should I apply? Kind of what's in it for me? What's different about this job? What's in it what for me? What am I going right. to learn? What satisfaction and so forth? Um, so that information is very important up front. When they're about to interview, um, you know, if an organization does um, remote interviews or, or asynchronous interviews, so the candidate's asked to record answers, at that point we know candidates want to know that somebody's actually going to look at that and it's going to make a difference. So doing a short video from a hiring manager saying just, hey, I've seen your resume. Um, I'm looking forward to learning more about you. You're going to get a link. Please um, complete it as soon as you can um, because I want to know more about you. Thank you. Um, that can make the difference between a candidate actually completing an interview or ghosting. Or even if you're going to do a live you know, Zoom video, um, knowing who they're going to be talking to, getting a sense of that person's style, all of that can be really helpful and making them look forward to talking to the person and making them feel relaxed and having more of a conversation. And you actually ultimately end up with better quality interviews because the candidate's not so nervous. So lots of ways as you go through the process to, to say, where are they? You know, and, and I keep going back to what, what are your big problems you're trying to solve? Where do you lose good qualified candidates out of your process? Focus on those areas first and figure out what information is going to help and who's the most credible person to deliver it. And then just make a quick and formal video. Yeah. And, and just sort of going back to what you were saying there, I can imagine that the resistance for putting out that initial sort of video to almost advertise the job to, you know, freshly found candidates or freshly targeted candidates, I can imagine the resistance to that is, is relatively low because I think the ROI for that is probably very high. But it must be hard to convince potential clients to continue with the use of video when really probably all they want to do is just hop on a Zoom call with the candidate. Is it still, do you still get a lot of resistance through the process to continue to embrace the technology? It really depends um, how happy or frustrated they are with their current process. Right. If everything is going along smoothly and they've got, you know, they're knee deep in qualified candidates, um, it's hard for them to do anything, and, and perhaps they shouldn't if they're knee-deep in qualified candidates. Um, but we're even looking at you know internal mobility now, where employers are frustrated at the turnover they've got. They'd rather keep employees internally. 
Um, many of them have set up systems for people to switch jobs internally, but the the participation rate is incredibly low on that. Um, it's easier to go somewhere else for a job than to apply for a new job internally. So sometimes there a video will help. So it really, if you go back to what problems you're trying to solve, um, if there's not a, an identified problem you're trying to solve, yes, it's difficult for anyone to decide why they need to be committed to video. But if their bonus or their promotion or their just quality of, of work life and satisfaction is dependent on solving a problem and video can do that, then it's easy to embrace it. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. What, what about security issues? Do you get sort of like enterprise security roadblocks? Because when you're sending out video on mass to people, people are worried about phishing scams, etc. Um. The, the concern is more from the companies that the video that's going out will somehow include proprietary information or something that's, that's not appropriate. Um, we do work with a lot of hospitals and healthcare systems, and they, of course, are very worried. What if there's a patient in the background that's, that's identifiable or visible um, that clearly can't go out because of all of the rules about health privacy? Um, so, I mean, we just built a, an approval process right in. No video goes out until it's been viewed and approved. And because we've worked with some of the largest defense contractors in the country um, who take their security very seriously, I'm pleased to say, as an American, I'm pleased to say they, they, they safeguard these things very carefully, um, we can even set up a panel that will route a video through multiple approvers so that all the people who need to see a video in order to approve it can see it and the system just automates that. So that's a, it's a concern. Absolutely, it's a concern, but it's one that technology can solve. So um, yeah. we're respectful of that concern. We understand there are very real reasons why companies are concerned about what goes out there. Um, and I think too often some of the, the talent acquisition and employer brand people just sort of shy away and go, oh, we're highly regulated. You know, we're finance. We're highly regulated. We, we can't do these things. And the answer is yes, you can. You just need to have a system in place to make sure that you meet all of your obligations for security. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. In terms of actually making the video itself, where do you think people are, are making the most mistakes? I mean, talk to me <laughs> about what a bad video looks like, and then let's perhaps talk about what a great video looks like. That's so easy for me to do. Um, I just gave a talk a little bit ago about why videos fail. And it was great fun because I got to show a lot of really cringeworthy videos. Um, and the biggest mistake that people make is they want the individuals um, making the video or the individuals themselves want to write out their remarks and then read them. And that's almost always a disaster um, for two reasons. One, written language is different than spoken language. Right? It's a reason that speechwriters are their own category of writers, that we speak very differently than we write. Um, and also, employees are not professional actors. They can't pull off written text and do it credibly and authentically. They sound, they sound like they're reading, and you can tell. You can almost see their eyes go back and forth. I mean, their voices go flat, and you lose all the credibility that video can give you. Um, so that's the, the single biggest mistake we see is either giving people scripts or giving them teleprompters or giving them something that's going to have them read their remarks. Um, you can always tell, and it feels forced. It, that's never wonderful. Um, yeah. But but, the but it's not easy recording a video. I mean, 
it's not. I've tried it. I've done it when I first started the podcast. <laughs> I used to do these little videos about the podcast and I, I gave up eventually because they weren't getting any traction because I just don't think I was particularly good at it. Um, probably because you overstructured it. You were probably trying to deliver. If you, The fact that you can talk to guests and do it articulately and spontaneously means you can speak. <laughs> so you could do that with a camera on. Um, you would just have to... Do it as if you were talking to someone. Um, and the real key for most employees is to keep the video short. We give um, all the employees who are recording right on screen, we give them three prompts um, that are very simple. The first prompt is to just introduce themselves with their first name and either one sentence about what they do or their title. The second prompt is to do two or three sentences about why a candidate would want the job. And the third prompt is to end with a call to action. And that can be simply, please apply, you know, check out our opportunities, send us your application. And so those three simple things, people know their first name, they know their title. If you're asking them for just two sentences about why a candidate wants a job, they can do that. And they can blurt out, please apply. <laughs> um, and so if, if you break it down and just give them a structure, they can do it. I suspect if you were trying to promote your podcast... You could introduce yourself. You could give people two or three reasons why they want to listen to the podcast. Then you could encourage them to tune in. And I suspect you'd do it beautifully and you'd probably do it on the first take. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a very good point. I mean, I do host recruiting trailblazers. We do explore the mindset, the methods, and the magic of top recruiting professionals around the world. And we do get more than about 5,000 downloads a month right now. So things are heading in the right direction. So if you're not listening to it, you probably should give it a go. There you go. <laughs> I know, but did you see my face? I looked horrible. <laughs> um, you great. No. So, okay, that's great. I suppose, you know, when you talk about branding and you talk about building a brand, the word storytelling comes up all the time these days. Storytelling and branding have become synonymous with one another. And I suppose, but in that 30 seconds, there's not really a chance to get into that sort of storytelling mode, is there? Well, it's interesting. Storytelling, you're right, has become quite the, the the key word. And and there's absolutely a time and a place for longer stories um, that can be helpful. But one of the things that we found, and again, I go back to the research, uh, Lighthouse Research and Advisory, Ben Newbeck's organization, did a really wonderful study a couple of years ago and talked to candidates about what video they wanted to see. And interestingly... The general employee testimonial was very low. Less than 20% of candidates were really interested in that. But what was number one was actually a hiring manager video. Um, that was 41% was that of hiring manager alone. And when you talk to candidates, it, it, it's understandable. If you're you know, going to go apply for a finance job in the Milwaukee office of an organization, you care a lot about the you know finance manager um, in the Milwaukee office. Yeah. If you've got an employee testimonial of about a salesperson who's working in San Diego, her story may be very interesting, but it's not really relevant to you. Or if you're going to be a software developer that's going to work out of New York, <laughs> you know the the kinds of stories that you want to hear are about other developers. Um, it, it's not a general employee somewhere. Now, having said that, I, I will tell you that how employees um, or how employers treat employees, how they foster their growth, how they provide support and so forth, there are, there are crossovers that happen. So I, I don't want to squash the employee story entirely. 
But I don't think it's a, a substitute for job-specific information if your goal is to attract candidates. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying there. And I think you're sort of drawing a comparison here between what I would call sort of above the line employer branding exercises where you, you know, you interview some jolly and attractive employees about, you know, how wonderful it is to work there. And they might be from a different location or even a different country. And that's kind of above the line stuff. What you're talking about is if I'm applying for a job as a, as a senior salesperson there, having a video of somebody at that location, who's also a senior salesperson telling me a little bit about what it's like to work there. Because I, I think if I'm considering a job these days, I think job seekers want to know what it's like to work there. And number two, they want to know how well people treat each other. I mean, I think those are the core sort of like cultural touch points. People want to know what it feels like and how people treat each other. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. But I'll also contend that within organizations, there are also microcultures. I, I suspect that you're going to find the culture um, among sales executives in an organization may be very different than the culture among, I'll go back to internal audit or procurement, you know, different geographies, different functions, different um, levels in the organization. To say that there's one culture, um, there are underlying values, hopefully, that permeate all the microcultures. But if you're going to go work, again, in a specific location, a specific function, there are things that are probably unique to that group that don't apply necessarily across the organization. And they're certainly more interesting to you if you're going to go apply for that particular group. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. You, I've never heard that term before, microcultures, but that really hit home. I think you're absolutely right. Because at the end of the day, what impacts you most at work? It's the people on your team. And primarily, it's the person that you report to. I mean, they say people don't leave companies. They say people leave people, right? Yeah. Yes. I, I've been a long believer that any job is only as good as your boss and your boss's boss. If both of those people respect you and support you and are people that you respect, um, you've probably got a good job. If either one of those people aren't wonderful, you probably don't have a wonderful job. Yeah. Um, and it, it does vary even from team to team. Yeah. I say if you're inspired, developed, empowered, and appreciated – you're in a good place. Um, so just finishing up here, Maury, thanks for sharing all this information. And it's clear that video is you know, going to be a big boon to anybody who wants to embrace it and get over some of the hurdles that we've discussed. Um, what is it about your platform that makes it so easy? Why can't I just throw up a, a WordPress page? <laughs> well, we, we had one client diagram for us what it took to get an employee-generated video um, from the, the very beginning, asking them to make the video, all the way through the approval process, editing process, and sharing part process. And it was 16 different steps and eight different software programs. Um, and so what SparkSart does is we eliminate all of that. We, we use humans for the things that humans need to do. Somebody needs to you know, originally strategize what video we're we making and why and who's going to make it. Somebody's got to record it. Someone's got to approve it. Someone's got to look at the editing and add a logo and so forth. Um, but other than that, clients don't spend time sending an email to someone saying, you know, Anna, this video is ready for you to review. Oh, is this the version that someone else saw? Who said that? Um, who's got it on their server? How do we add it to our virtual career fair? How do we make it available to recruiters? Where is it? We make all of that really simple, and we've done it for people who are not video people. They're recruiters. Right. 
So you do all the 16 things. We do all the 16 things and we do it all with a single click. We're big believers. Recruiters are busy. They, They have rec loads that are just enormous and employer brand people are busy. So if they can't do it in one click, they don't do it. So the entire Spark Start platform is designed to be simple, secure, and scalable so that you can do in a single click. You want to add a logo to that video? Click. It's there. You want to add a title? Click. You want to share it to LinkedIn? Click. You want to put it in a nurturing campaign and connect it to your CRM? Click. Um, If you want your videos to show up on your career page, you just set that up and that happens automatically. You don't even need one click. But we, we help organizations do this at scale so they can have literally thousands of videos that are appropriate to their particular candidates that are approved and appropriately branded and consistently branded um, and all done easily and fast. And it's beyond just plug and play. It's not just a SaaS platform. You're almost a consultancy because you will hold the hand of your client through the process, right? We do. We, we don't think of ourselves as consultants. We just think of ourselves as really, really dedicated to customer success. Um, so we're, our, our customer service is second to none. Um, so we stay with clients and make sure that, you know, their things are going along the way they need to. We do have quarterly reviews just to talk about, you know, pointers and so forth, but that's all just included in the, the license that, that clients have. Fantastic. And how does everybody get in touch with you, Maury? The easiest way is Maury. It's M-A-U-R-Y at sparkstart.com and sparkstart at S-P-A-R-C-S-T-A-R-T dot com. Um, that's the easiest way or I'm on LinkedIn as Maury Hannigan. Fantastic. Well, Maury Hannigan, thank you very much for spending some time with me today on Recruiting Trailblazers. It's been a pleasure to get to know you and we'll speak again soon. Great. Thank you very much. Enjoy doing it. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. 